0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Dolby Institute and Soundworks Collection podcast. We're focusing on the Oscar nominees uh, this year in the Best Animated Film category. So I'm happy to be here at Disney. We're in the the animation building. We're in actually the training studio where you guys train. The live drawing room. The live drawing room where you train the next generation. We have uh, our skeletons. A death um, drawing as well. (laughs) And <laughs> <Death
1: drawing. laughs> that's great. Why isn't there a death drawing? There should yeah, be. I mean, that's be. what that is. Well,
0: a little, a little macabre for Disney, little, perhaps. Yeah, I don't maybe. know. Yeah. That's
2: yeah. True. So we're here today.
0: Like, to, you know, okay, uh, calm yeah. down. We're, we're here <laughs> I have to crack the whip. We're here today to talk about uh, Ralph breaks the Internet, which is nominated for best animated feature, and I'm thrilled to be here with uh, Phil Johnston, the director. Uh, Rich Moore, also, you guys co-directed, and you both have a story by credit, and Phil, you have a screenplay credit on the film as well, and also the producer of the film, Clark Spencer. Thank you guys for making the time to talk to us today. Absolutely. Thanks for
1: coming, great to be here.
0: So one of the things that we focus on in this podcast is how artists are, are using technology to help them tell their stories. So I'm I'm curious, you guys are in an interesting sort of position. You guys did the first Ralph movie, Wreck-It Ralph, which is now what, seven years old? Yeah. Uh, there was a little bit of a gap between you guys okay. were all busy on other films, including Zootopia. Congratulations on the, the Academy Award for that one as well. Um, what has changed in animation technology between the two films? And what, I guess what I'm asking is, were there things that you were able to do in the second one that you couldn't do the first time around? Well, definitely
2: a lot has changed here. When, when did when did the Hyperion system come out?
3: Yeah, I would say that's the biggest thing. So Hyperion is a lighting technology that we use here at Disney Animation that came in with Big Hero 6. That's right, So yeah. Wreck-It Ralph was used uh, previously with RenderMan, right. uh, and so that limited our capabilities of how we could actually light things and make it feel real-world and one of the big challenges on the first film was that entire Sugar Rush part sure. of the movie and trying to make it feel yeah. like it's really candy and frosting and the team did an incredible job with the technology that they had but in today's technology with Hyperion we were able to take it even further and if you were to compare Sugar Rush from the first film to Sugar Rush in the second mm. film and that Act one part of it you'd see truly the level of detail we can now get into the because film. we
2: we really went to great stakes to make like the food look edible you know and not only edible but delicious you know right. that the, the the little cars that are made out of cakes and, and pies and things uh we spent a lot of time making a cherry pie card look like a cherry pie mm-hmm. you know which um could have gone so bad, you know. Without uh, now, it would be much easier with the Hyperion system.
0: So that is that. That photorealism is yeah. really an aspect of lighting. It Definitely, is. yeah. Okay. Well, so that that actually tees up another question. I that you know that I that I had for you, which is, um, in in some of these uh, conversations on the animated films, it's been interesting to. Uh, have people explain like w- job classifications that people normally understand what they mean in a live action mm-hmm. sense, right. and then what? How does that map to an animation film? So I wanted to ask you about cinematography and the director of photography on this film, uh, who is Nathan Warner. Mm-hmm. Um, so you started talking about lighting, but what does a cinematographer do on an animated film? Well, there are two DPs: one one for lighting and one for layout. Basically,
1: Nathan is the the, the, the head camera. of the layout. The yeah. the so it's. I mean, I think more and more it's it's mirroring the way particularly big budget CG live action features are done in that there's all this previs, pre-visualization done within the computer, you know? So we have a, a camera that moves around within the Digital space, the 3D with, space, right? With yeah. a lens, you can swap out, and you know, a zoom, and so you can change focal lengths all, all of things, that. Right? Like, it's
2: exactly like yeah. live action, and so many of our our um, DPs are coming from live action. Nathan has a, a long history in live action, so um, it, it's it's blurring the edge, you know, between animation and and live action filmmaking. I think and. And we don't do it just one way. Um, in a lot of cases, you know, Nathan will block out shots you know, that have been kind of dictated by the, the story team, you know um, and cut together by our editor. And then other times, like we have a car chase in the film that uh, Nathan and his team um, took more of a live-action approach to it. Where we're they, talking about the big
0: slaughter the race slaughter race, season, race yeah, sequence the, which the, is between
2: Penelope yeah. and Shank. And um, there was kind of a rough idea of what the uh, of what the chase was meant to be, and uh, and we boarded it very kind of simply. And then Nathan and his team actually went into the digital set and generated tons of footage, you know, of shots of these cars there were racing around.
1: cameras mounted in that scene and,
0: and over a thousand shots.
2: So our editor, Jeremy Milton had, it was more of a, a live action editing exercise. Oh, that's you interesting know, because so you've
0: got all these virtual cameras generating yes. all of this mm-hmm. digital footage that yeah, then, then Jeremy so it's like could then choose then that dropped from. on the editorial staff of yeah. like, here's a million feet of dailies. Right, absolutely. To deal yeah, with which, you know, so which would
1: be how yeah. you would do it in a live action thing where you have what amounts to coverage. Yeah, And, right. and then you're just able to slap together the best version of it and we're typically so much more regimented in, in mm-hmm. animation where the, the boards are really dictating what
0: what's gonna be on the screen in the final in in the final cut. but
2: this we wanted it to feel different mm-hmm. from and from was animation. this a difference
0: was the first Ralph kind of in that approach or is this sort of a different paradigm a different way of thinking about
2: um, I think we kind of changed our way of thinking on Zootopia because mm-hmm. we had at the beginning of that film uh, was Judy's arrival in Zootopia aboard, aboard a train, like a subway. Um, and rather than try to figure out every shot in story with storyboard panels, we did kind of the same thing where, and Nathan was our, our, um, cinematographer on that one too, that um, he generated tons of footage, you know, that we then took kind of a live act. We had the Shakira song, you know, to kind of play underneath
0: it. So we we approached it more like a music video. Right, you know? right, right. So this now comes back to you as the producer, like, oh, we need, we need more editors. We need more time in <laughs> yeah. to deal with all this massive footage that we have coming in.
3: Well, I think th- to your point, it's been an evolution in terms of how we make these movies. And we usually schedule, the length of time we think it's going to take, layout to actually create the footage, and editorial to cut it, to get it into animation. But we knew this sequence was really needed to be um, feel very visceral, I need to feel real, and I need to feel like we as the audience were gonna believe that Penelope wanted to stay in this world, right. and it was very different mm-hmm. than the world of Sugar Rush for her. So as a result, we all talked and said, we will put it into layout knowing that it will go at a much slower pace and give editorial the, team they need, the time they need to actually cut it together. Right. Um, and it pays off in dividends later because then once everything is actually set, it can move very quickly. Mm-hmm. It just means you're gonna slow down this part of the process, to gain um, what you what you want visually before it moves forward. Yeah, yeah.
1: and I, I do. We've talked about this before. Whether you know we we hand draw the our storyboard artists draw every everything every frame, and there so is that, that
0: technology. Goes back to you know the dog, oh, Yeah, animation yeah, yeah. that the goes 1920s, back. It's like you're still you're still starting with the dinosaur, starting starting yeah. with pencil on paper, mm-hmm. which is why we have this room, or right.
2: or or uh, stylus on Cintiq.
0: Yeah, you know, but, <laughs> but the same <laughs> idea, yeah, yeah.
2: but
1: with as as the technology and uh, rendering speeds and stuff um, increase, I, there is a function of layout. You know, of the the playing around with the camera in the virtual set that I think for particularly these big set mm-hmm. pieces, so you're not wasting wrist mileage, pencil mileage, if you will, and breaking wrists, that there's probably a future where I think layout kind of takes over for some of what storyboards traditionally have functioned as. Because I mean, I think that scene is a perfect right. example of it. Once we knew kind of what the set looked like and what the, what the beats, the emotional beats, which need to be boarded and we need to Feel what the characters are feeling, but then, giving the camera, you know, department sort right. of a So I'm, I'm
0: kind of curious about that. So where? So how, explain to me sort of like storyboards versus layout versus previs. Like what's the? Where are the lines between these? What's the? Swim well, lines? Uh,
2: traditionally, it would go. We would start with a script um, that would go to story artists who draw storyboards, um, and they will board a sequence. Um, and they're not locked to, we never say like, you know, you have to do it exactly as the script, you know, because these, these people are writers themselves, you know, so, and, uh, and they're figuring out other ways to come at, you know, the, the narrative, you know, visually. Uh, so they generate their, uh, their work, which is storyboards, um, which then go to editorial and are cut together like a scene, uh, married with scratch dialogue usually in temp music. And once we get the sequence firing to the point that, that we're happy with it, it then goes to layout, which is basically camera, and they go into uh, that virtual world and start to kind of block out the sequence. You, and people are different. There are some people that want each shot to mirror the, the uh, storyboard panels precisely. You know, there are others, I think, that we fall into that 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 area, that it, it's kind of a jumping-off point, right. you know, and and we like to kind of get in there and and help you know find those angles with the with our cinematographer.
0: I'm curious about uh, this is your first time directing, right? So you 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 came up as a, as a as a writer. Um, and you know, in the live action world, you don't have a lot of director collaborations, but in animation, that's yeah. very much part of. Yeah. The, that's, yeah. That's, so, how do you two work together? What's the What's the division? Kind of how do you guys attack things? And and most importantly, how do you deal with creative conflict and discord between the two of you? <laughs> does does, does yeah. this Does this guy referee everything? Or how How how, how does this collaboration work?
2: I mean first with like any kind of disagreements, we're always pretty much on the same page, you know?
1: I mean, there are so many people who have
2: a voice
1: in the process that, you know, I feel like you and I would mostly be on, I mean, there are occasional things that whatever, 89%. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) So it was more like because there are 500 people working on the movie Mm -hmm. and, you know, at least 50 of them or a hundred with very strong voices that are constantly hitting us with their ideas and feedback and sort of telling us what they think. I think it it naturally creates a a unified vision for the two of us so Mm -hmm. that in some ways we're combating uh, you know this army of people. Are, what if you did this? How about this? How about that? And it makes right. us focus all the more. I mean, like that's a great idea, but the reason we're doing it this way is because of that. Or right. ooh, right. that could be good. You know. So right. I think the nature of the, the, just the size of the
2: collaboration, right? Sort the, of- the hail of ideas that are coming at mm-hmm. us. That, <laughs> you know, that it, it's overwhelming. It, yeah. Well, but and like Phil says, it can help you kind of like. As he said, like, that's a good idea, but not appropriate for the sequence. So what we're planning is feels good, but this one's a little bit better. Let's plug this in. It makes it a little sharper, you know? So actually it's like that, that wall of ideas helps kind of funnel it down Sure, you know, to it, it helps making decisions easier. I Interesting, can, yeah. and on the
1: first two things we worked on, where I was a writer, Rich was very open to the collaboration, so we worked
2: really closely on yeah. the first Ralph and on Zootopia. And, um, I don't it's know, it's very much the same on, on this, Phil just has you know the title that he deserved on those other ones you know i think mm-hmm. i don't know if i deserved <laughs> <laughs> ever, I i'll some, say it some, you know i have yeah. some photographs <laughs> of rich that let's just say he yeah.
1: don't want no, he out out there. has <laughs> the title that he deserves <laughs>
2: <laughs> and let's not talk about those fine bro. fine okay. all right i'm not going to ask any follow up questions on
0: that. <laughs> so do these do these uh, progressions in in lighting and I'm sure in computer firepower and, and rendering ability have have they allowed you to you know do different things from a production design standpoint? Mm. I, I feel like the, the 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 locations that we're in in this movie, Ralph Breaks the Internet, are in some ways much darker mm. uh, and more detailed and complex than than right. things that we've seen. I think I'm thinking about like the dark web. Right. Yeah. Um, and even uh, you know, even the, the the slaughter race kind of yeah. environment. Right. Mm-hmm. Could you talk about that a little bit?
2: Well, I definitely think that uh, the technology and just all the advancements—they're not hindering us right. <laughs> at all. You know, right. they they are making it uh, possible to make the worlds bigger and more subtle. I think you know because as I, I think, like three D animation. It was kind of like inventing a new paintbrush or something like, you know, when they made Toy Story, it was like, and they made it with this, you know, with this thing. Because your background,
0: you you come from 2D. 2D, yeah.
2: As most, most of the people working here, I think, you know, started in 2D in some way. Um, So here's this great new technology, you know, that at first everyone just wanted to try using it. You know, and, and trying to, to learn, well, how does this work? And I would say within the last 10 years, 10, 9 to 10 years, that it's become more about learning how to finesse now with that new paintbrush. Everyone's kind of mastered it, and we know how it works. You know, it's not as foreign and exotic, you know, as it used to be. And now it's about, well, what can I do with this? What can I, how can I light a scene unlike right. any that, that we've ever seen before how can we design a location you know that goes beyond you know what we've seen in an animated film before so i, I think yes it, it, i'm not sure if it if it um exactly inspired like going to more dark places but it, it did it did it inspire it, it, right. it it's <clears throat> definitely opened up the possibilities and and made it more possible to do it
0: well, from a production design standpoint, how do you, I mean, obviously the major change in this film is that you, you're envisioning the world of the Internet right. and making it literal. Right. How do you, that must have been such an interesting, awesome challenge. How do you, yeah. how do you decide what, what does the Internet look like?
2: And
1: that that was, was that was a that big, was the million dollar question.
0: Yeah, yeah. You
2: know, it was easy to say we're going to do a movie in the internet. You know, and everyone was like, "What a great idea!" Right. And then the next day, say like, "Okay, what does it look like?" Yeah. And then suddenly, everyone's, "Oh my god!" You know, this is daunting. You know, and what what
1: are some of the numbers like, just in terms of the 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 scope, like? of the millions of characters and and (coughs) vehicles and buildings.
3: Yeah, it's the biggest animated film we've ever made. But we didn't go into it with that idea. Right, we didn't say it it was the the biggest thing (laughs) Once, Once you realize you are gonna go into the internet and you need the audience to believe it to be real, and the internet is this infinite space, you need it to feel that big. And so the team totally embraced that concept and developed uh, quietly while these guys are developing the story, really developed the technology behind how are we going to have this many characters be on the screen at one moment in time? <clears throat> how are we going to have this many buildings be right. a part of this world? How are we going to have all this signage? Right. I mean, you had to create an entire pipeline and a technology that would figure out how to procedurally place all that signage throughout the film. Even like, how, how does asset
0: tracking work in, in, in your... Feature animation pipeline. Just yeah. a, that <laughs> they, must
3: be. That must be just. A was, huge... was there
0: someone just tracking the it, signage? They
3: do. Yeah, that just tracks the signage and, and tags every building in a way to right. say we need to. Because ultimately, you're asking. In some ways, when it's this big, you can't art direct every single thing. Right. You have to have exactly. something start it, which yeah. is the procedural side of it, and then have someone go in and say, "Okay, maybe if we move a few of these things around, it will, the, it, it will be more appealing. That from this angle, it'll be more appealing. So, yeah, there was a lot of technology <clears throat> created around that, but I think that. To your guys's point, the hardest part was saying, from a production design standpoint, what's it going to look like? Yeah, and we spent probably over a year just talking about because that
2: we we would never be able to finish making the film if we were handling every little, you know, tiny nuance. You know, it starts with us kind of saying of course, it's yeah. the internet. It has to feel big. It has to it has to feel big, sprawling. It's growing constantly there has to feel like there's history to it you know that there's old stuff new stuff everything
1: well
0: i definitely i definitely noticed that in the production design because it feels like there are certain there's certain pieces of your internet world that have a more like a mid-century kind of feel right right there Uh, was an
1: idea in designing the netizens um the the citizens of the internet sort of with a a style that that evokes the 60s, which is when the internet was born. Right. Technically, the 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 old, you know, the the first the the Arpanet in the late 60s. And so we sort of like that aesthetic and and I mean, part of it was we just happen to like the way well, they look, but there, just, is, a, there yeah. is also some There's logic a reason. There's a logic yeah. to
2: it, yeah. you know, that it, at least you can say, okay, I can see why they would look like that. And I like how they look, yeah. you know, so, okay, these things marry together well in my mind, you know.
3: But it was really a research trip to downtown L.A., a building called One Wilshire Boulevard. It's like a, a 14 or 15 we <laughs> 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 we All the way, way to, downtown, all LA. All way to downtown LA. We took the five. <laughs> yeah. Some teams go to the South Pacific, some go to <laughs> yeah. Africa, some, go to, some Norway. Maybe go to Norway. We went to downtown we went LA. To one we went to,
0: you went to a data center and downtown yeah, LA. Yeah, we went to a render farm basically. Yeah. But yeah.
3: It, it houses all of the internet connections for the West Coast. And it was kind of going in and seeing all of that hardware that said it's not this elusive thing like a cloud. It really is something that's- Like this is where eBay on. actually lives. Right, exactly.
2: Siri is in this box, wow. you know? And because it's here in LA, uh, it gets to you a millisecond quicker than if it had to go around the world. Interesting, you know? right, so
0: right. It's very, very strange, you know? I presume that's a fairly secure building. One building. <laughs> <it's laughs> to be, but there's yeah. hardly
2: any people, know, you know? Right. No, it's, so, so it's over 20
1: floors and and there are engineers that sort of tend to their whatever company they work for that, that uh you know, they have their little cage with their box in it and, and they may be there or may not be there. So that we would go on floors where there would not be a single person.
2: Yeah. And it's just rows of servers just humming and and some some are well kept. You know, some look horrible. I mean it's yeah. like the wires are everywhere. And, so
0: but from that you took yeah. this idea of like there's a space in here where you know ebay is correct yeah. yeah my favorite you guys were so subversive with oh my disney yeah. oh, my <laughs> how did you guys get away with that how did how did how did the corporate
1: sometimes you just plow into things and are we're so delusional about things but like, oh this will be fine sure it's i'm funny. sure they'll like it and and Shockingly, they and Clark did.
2: said, "You know, we should show them. You know what what we're <laughs> planning. You know, rather Do
0: you, does it fall to you to be the adult in the room? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: He's like <laughs> rather than rather than going and saying, we have this idea about princesses at a website. You know, and it's it's so kind of abstract. You know, to describe it that." It would be easy to say like mm, I, I don't like that idea i don't think so guys so we made a very rough version of that princess sequence um again like animatics you know with uh scratch dialogue and uh showed it to them and said like this is what we're thinking and they loved it you know That's great. got a great you know so
0: the takeaway is it's better to ask forgiveness than permission. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. In this case, <laughs> right. in this case <laughs> yes. You know?
3: But it really is to the credit of the way that you guys balance the that fine line of how do you sit there and have fun with the characters, but also be respectful. How do you have us poking fun at the company, but also be respectful. It's all that being careful in terms of that line and well, it really yeah. did prove out you guys mission. were
0: really careful threading that needle I mean you've got the little subversive of like she just, you know, <laughs> yeah. breaks the slipper and yeah. go. I'm amazed but that to, no one's done that, that joke before with slipper but, yeah. <laughs> but it's also really funny if it wasn't funny you wouldn't be able to get away with and it and right? I think
1: you know we always talk about um, it's, it's easier to make fun of your mom or your dad because you love them and so you can mm-hmm. you can poke at them and, and satirize them but it's done with sort of an abiding love and affection which we have for those characters even though we're
2: I think that the, that's the best satire comes
0: <laughs> yeah. from the things that you like. Yeah, you of course. Know, it's yeah, like of course. the things that yeah. You know, if, it were, if it were, and... if it were, if it were, for instance, Warner Brothers making fun, of, it would probably right. Would, then it's it, yeah. then it becomes. Well, first easy. of all, they wouldn't. They would never yeah. have gotten the rights. So it's, right. it's a yeah. so self, <laughs> yeah. self-resolving issue. Um, I want to talk about sound a little bit um, and the role of sound in the storytelling for the film because there, there were obviously all these locations and environments gave some really rich opportunities, um, and you worked with the, the team up at Skywalker Sound. Addison Teague was the supervising sound editor, and you get did some work with Gary Rydstrom, I know. So uh, what was your approach to, how did you engage that team and how did you work with them on creating these soundscapes? I mean, it's
1: first of all, they're extraordinary and we, we worked really closely and really well. I think Addison was kind of our our, our day-to-day guy and, and Gary was helping him out and overseeing up there. But the I would say the biggest challenge was the internet itself and giving it mm-hmm. a sound design that was both Frenetic and chaotic and huge and vast, but not not so annoying that like there was a lot we had to uh, really fiddle with the dials of how just how much there was because if you look out at that cityscape, there are millions of buildings and millions of people, you know, and it's it's sort of like thinking how do you make New York sound appealing and not just hey jerk get over you know like you can't just do loud city sounds and there were times when you know the pop-ups were like, and it was this popping thing that was so constant. It was like bubbles, and we're like, "What is that? That's so annoying!" <laughs> Someone frying bacon, <laughs> and then they turn that down, and then suddenly it was just so appealing, yeah. and and it was a lot of back and forth. And I man, I loved working with those yeah. guys. They
2: no, so like, good. Yeah, no, it's like Addison gives you a lot. You know, right. and what's great is just kind of clearing a little bit out. You well, and that's, know, so, that's and, and when you start working yeah David Fleur and Gabriel Guy. Yeah. yeah. You, can just, no, kind, you just have so much material coming in. You start in. to kind of find the sculpture in the block, you know, like, oh, my God, it's revealing itself, you know. But I, I love all the options that Addison gives and and just kind of working from from Gary's lead from the first movie where um, it's there's a lot of realistic sound effects, but then... Um, a few carefully chosen, very cartoony ones right. you know that are there to kind of augment things that give it um, this whole kind of tone and character that's that's different from say like a big hero six or a frozen right
0: well, I think that that aesthetically is kind of the the biggest change in animation from mm-hmm. a sound perspective that's happened because yeah. when I think about the animated films when I was a kid, very dialogue very music heavy right yeah, <clears throat> not a tremendous amount of attention paid to. You know, to sound design and sound no, effects, it, but this, you know, you're 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 building soundscapes that match the complexity of the visuals in right. the in the, the world in a way that's really satisfying.
2: Well, and what I liked about those those old animated pieces, like the old uh, like Warner shorts or Hanna Barbera, well, those are famous
0: for their sound effects. For their yeah, sound
2: right. effects, that they were so, there wasn't a ton of them in right. there, but but everything was but perfect. they were so perfect. You know, that everything was kind of invented to sound. That's exactly what it would sound like if. Someone got hit with a plank, you mm-hmm. know, right. or, you know, right. or, or the ricochet, you know, that backwards ricochet sound for like zips and stuff like that. So that's, I, I like that we kind of continue with that tradition of trying to invent um, kind of these stylized, almost pseudo cartoony, you know, fantastic sound effects, you know, that, that seem to work, you know, best for animation. Right,
0: right. So uh, you guys uh, finished Ralph Breaks the Internet uh, in Dolby Vision and Dolby Atmos. Um, Was it your first time working in Vision and Atmos? Um, Have you done done Zootopia and Atmos?
3: Um, No, I think Moana might have been the first one that was... Did we do Zootopia Zootopia
2: and Atmos? I can't remember. I can't remember that part. I seem to think we... Because it came... It was... Yeah, we didn't do the first. We probably did, yeah, sure. Yeah,
3: yeah. because did. the first yeah. Ralph
0: was not. Yeah. There was not The first the Ralph time. was not. No. Yeah. Um, the first, actually, the first um, movie released in Atmos was Brave, yeah. right? which was Pixar's yeah. so, film. So right. yeah. um, that came out right before Ralph won. Were there any, I'm curious, were there any possibilities that Vision and Atmos, you know, opened up for you guys in terms of storytelling?
2: I would think a lot of times when we were doing the mix, like... Can we throw that sound effect like in atmos like over our shoulder back here and mm-hmm. you know because i i love like what it does in the theater i love being kind of surprised like mm-hmm. is there a dog barking <laughs> in the theater you know it sounds it just so went much on. just remembering
1: when ralph was running up in ebay to mm-hmm. the um to the to the, the the auctioneer as his thing was getting outbid like it really felt like you felt him running and then getting closer. And then boom, when he knocks into the guy, it's like, right. it felt like, like the first time I heard it was like, oh, he just, because <laughs> like, it came from I, from back to the left and up to the right. Like it felt very much it like- puts, so, It puts I'm, you in the place. It really yeah, I'm, is. I'm
2: constantly <laughs> thinking like, oh my God, that's going to sound great in Atmos. You yeah, know, when, yeah. when we're listening to like Addison's, you know, first and, first go. And I know. went
1: down and watched in IMAX with Atmos for, mm. oh, shit,
3: that was great! <laughs> <Yeah. crazy. laughs>
1: what I, did we release it on IMAX at all here? Yeah.
3: We did? Yeah, in a few years, oh. yeah. Okay. And then mostly it was, it was mostly for China,
1: I think, but yeah. that was one of, that was, that might be the last time I've watched the movie all the way through. God, it was good. Yeah. That's it was never <laughs> watch it again. No, no, never it watch, watch it so again. Cool. Don't yeah, ruin it. Yeah,
0: exactly, that. just leave it in your memory yes. that way. Yeah. So I wanna, I, I just wanna ask one last question. Um, I, you know, I'm always curious, What's your favorite sequence in the film? Just what's the most as 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 somebody who's like watching the film again? What's really satisfying to you, Clark? You start.
3: Okay. <laughs> um, well, I always like the scene when Ralph goes in and discovers the comments room. And I think because for me, as I'm watching the movie, I'm not expecting that. I've just been enjoying this world for so long. And it was the idea of making sure we make the Internet be appealing, but we also balance the what's also complicated about the Internet. And it's that moment that we really get to start to see it. And knowing how hard that can be for someone to actually read comments about them and that impact, especially for someone as insecure as the character of Ralph is. So for me, I always get very emotional in that scene. Sure. And am, am proud that that mo- that part of the movie exists because I think it does give that balance to the internet's this incredible tool and it also has these really scary parts to it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Um
2: God, I have a whole bunch and I don't want to steal yours. You can have it I'm gonna change it. No, I have, but I have, a you, new guys one. have you guys I have answered a new this one. question before, <laughs> I have you? No oh, have there's a scene right in the middle of the movie where Yes is uh, sending out a pop-up army to sure. to sell Ralph's videos at at BuzzTube, um, and it was one of those sequences for the longest time. It was very hard to crack. Like, how are we going to show you know basically a, a videos going viral inside the internet as if it's a business, you know that this right. that this woman is running. Um, and it's a very abstract idea that finally kind of came how do you together visually, and how we're right. going to yeah. show that and how we're going to personify something that's, that's inanimate, you know, that's not a real thing or a living thing. Um, and what I love about it is it's really every department kind of shining, bringing their A game to make that thing work in the story, the the, the the writing, the storyboarding, the layout, the editorial, the animation, and Henry Jackman's music. It's, it's one piece of music that runs through the whole thing uh, end to end that really just, it, it weaves all over the place. It has huge highs and lows, and it just ties the whole thing together. And I remember seeing that for the first time, all finished with the music, the sound mix, and it's like, I can't believe it. I, I know. I know. It was we satisfying, Finally, break. it was so satisfying to see it, and it's like I love that part of the movie yeah. when it comes up. When I'm watching the movie, I'm like, "Oh boy, here's this part!" Like I get really excited yeah. whenever that part comes out. And similarly, uh, the the um, the Ralphzilla,
1: the big monster made out of Ralphs, um, <laughs> had a, a whole bunch of issues, very yeah. similar to what Rich has described. So.
2: How are we going to portray this? Right. You know, how are we going to portray Viral Ralph's, Ralph's own right. insecurity being the villain right. of the story? And and you know,
1: we've talked a lot about just the technical hurdle of there are over well over a million individual Ralphs that go up to make a nine hundred foot Ralph. Um, That's insane. Monster, which is insane, and we had to change the way our pipeline worked so that. Animation was working with effects, right. and they were working with, you know, technical crowds. animation yeah. and crowds, yeah. so that you know our crowds
2: department is the smallest department. Ironically, it's like five, five people. people. Yeah. Five people <laughs> run crowds.
1: Yeah, they, they're we got to do something about that. So we've got to do something. about They're responsible for several million <laughs> yeah. million yeah. characters. Yeah. Yeah. That and just then, doesn't make sense, guys. Come <laughs> and on, if it's this, a paradox. And if this is the last time we are probably talking about the movie because it's out on blu-ray now and so are you plugging it no but oh, okay. we've never we haven't had a big moment to talk about henry jackman's score which you yes. just brought up mm-hmm. and in that sort of epic climax with the kong or godzilla ralph ralphzilla whatever um the score is just epic it's like it's like uh, As big and soaring as anything he's done. I I wish people could listen to that score. And I know he's... It's like my favorite. Is it available piece of, on, on, on iTunes? iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> so, we say that the uh, so
2: that the movie is streaming now? It's streaming Disney? on uh, iTunes and, and Disney. Blu ray on Plus, the twentieth. That exists. The I think. Yeah. 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 And and Henry's score, I Henry's believe is available.
1: I'm happy to have to, at Tower Records. Yeah. I'm happy to, I'm <laughs> at the warehouse.
0: I'm happy to help Disney it's, make money off this film no, in any way possible. score <laughs> is
1: so good. And yeah, I feel it like it's not anything that. We have talked about that much, but in that scene, just the the intensity of it, it's like Carmina Barana, <laughs> the intensity of the yeah. score. Yeah. And uh, man, I, I
0: love that scene. So yeah, you asked. Great. I did. <laughs> and I did, told you. And I got an answer. <laughs> yeah. Gentlemen, thank you so much. <laughs> thank, thank you. you. It's, it's been fun. really fun to talk about this film. I really love the, the film. Uh, Clark, Rich. Phil, congratulations on the film, and congratulations on your Oscar nominations. Thanks. Thank you very much. It's it's super exciting. Thank Thank you. you. So thanks, guys, so much. Uh, Clark, Rich, Phil, congratulations on the film and on your Oscar nominations. It's super exciting. Thank Um, you. This is Glenn Kaiser, signing off from the Dolby Institute. We're here in Burbank at Disney Animation Studios. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. Thank you.